Welcome to episode 14 of Morocco Public Radio for the week of November 16th. We're the Casual X-Men Chat Show, where we chat everything happening in Marvel's Mutants every single week. I'm Rod, and this is the Rumble Pack to my Nintendo 64 controller, my one and only Comega Mutant, Keegan. How are you, buddy? You know, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited for this week's uh, recording. So, <laughs> All right. This week, we are talking about Immortal X-Men number 8. We have a new X-Men crossover event announced, because we didn't have enough of those going on. We have some really cool new Sins of Sinister design drops, and we're going to play a few games. So first, I want to start with the first ever Arako Public Radio X-Men Team Draft. Okay. We're each going to draft five X-Men related characters. Uh, we're going to check in in six months. So this is episode 14. So with episode 40-ish, we'll check back in. And we're going to see whose team fared the best. Now, that's open for interpretation. Is that the team <laughs> who racks up the most wins? Is that the team that has the most involvement in whatever's going on? I don't know. We can decide as we go. But I uh, want to see who can come up with the best team. And we're going to go... Uh, with Krakoa rules, so like conventional villains that are currently in, uh, like loosely affiliated with either Krakoa or Rocco, they're on, they're, they're fair game. Okay, work? Sinister is on the board, essentially. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you up for it? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Alright, you know what, and since I made the game, I say you get first draft. Okay. Who's your number um, one pick? The number one pick overall. Number one overall pick. Uh, I'm going to go with an easy one, hard to go wrong with, I'm taking Cyclops. He was definitely <laughs> in that top of the bracket. Yeah. You already said it, I'm taking Sinister. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good place in six months. Yeah, I uh, I figured, I was like, I can either take Sinister or Cyclops, I know you're going to take <laughs> one of them. <laughs> Alright, let's see, number two, number two, I'm going to go with six months huh i'm gonna go with storm i like it strong pick all right i know i'm taking a wolverine i'm just deciding between laura and logan that's that's very valid <laughs> but with all the old woman laura stuff and just how much i love laura i'm gonna take laura Denny. yeah yeah i can't blame with that one okay let's see what am i taking next I'm taking Legion. Smart move. I am in that same wheelhouse. Uh, we know during the Sinister he's going to have a bad time, but I'm going to take Nightcrawler because I think he comes out of it in a strong position. I think that's fair. So does that give us each three? Yeah, we're at three, so we each have two more. So you, there's plenty of people left. This would be a way better like game with like four people, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm taking, I'm taking Cable. Okay. We're gonna we're we're gonna talk Cable later because I don't know if you saw he has an amazing design in that collection of <laughs> designs we're gonna look at. I got my Legion of X rep. Got my Immortal rep. I have my X Men rep. So I need my Red rep. I'll take him. I'm gonna take Lotus. Lotus logos. Or... Ooh, yeah, I like that. Okay. The current head, the current head of the table. All right. So Last pick. pick. Give me your sleeper and final pick. I'm uh, I'm doing something that I'm not proud of, 
This is a purely strategic pick. You taking the furry blue guy? Oh, I'm going Hank McCoy, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I am not proud of it. It is a defensive strategic pick. (laughs) I'm going to tell you I am hoping beyond hope that that's a bad choice. I'm hoping he is in a bad place by six months from now. I'm hoping so too, but we'll see. Can't believe she's on the board. I'm taking Jean Grey. Oh, wow. The value. The value of Jean <laughs> Grey at five. Oh, my gosh. Insanity. <laughs> All right. So, our final teams are Cyclops, Storm, Legion, Cable, Beast, Sinister, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Lotus Logos, and Jean Grey. Ooh. I'll be honest. I think you had a better draft, but we will see six months from now. It, it, <laughs> be very interesting i think uh one of the big the big uh tells will be red absolutely our well and just red are uh yeah how many ramifications Sin sister has also whether yes. it's another event that comes and goes or if it has the ripples it has the potential to have yeah man I'll, when we revisit it it'll depend has beast fallen or is beast at his peak i don't know <laughs> So today they released the solicitations for February, and the cover of Wolverine is just a super menacing beast holding, uh, no, I guess it would be X-Force, whichever book he, but it's him holding that Wolverine skull with the reflection on it. Terrifying cover, and the fact that that's two and a half months from now, and he's still menacingly holding the skull tells me we're in for a long haul with Beast. Yeah. (laughs) But, since we're talking about ramifications, we're going to deal with ramifications of Sins of Sinister. You want to talk Immortal X-Men? Yeah, let's do it. This was an amazing issue that had tons of callbacks, tons of setups. So it's a longer recap than usual. Feel free to stop me and jump in if we need to. And then we got our usual chat at the end. But it opens with a data page. That's a Nietzsche quote. Uh, Fate is the word cowards use to describe things that are too weak to change. Fun fact, though, this isn't actually a Nietzsche quote, but it is something Charles Xavier said to Mr. Sinister after beating him in this old X-Men Legacy issue by uh, Mike Carey. So it's a fake quote, because Xavier also claimed it was a Nietzsche quote, so it was like a weird reference to a fake, like, it was a real quote of a fake quote, I guess, is what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. Either way, I found that funny. Uh, then the actual issue opens in 1943 with Mystique breaking into the Air Force base at Almogordo, uh, which would go on to be the site of the first ever nuclear test in 1945. She transforms into a sexy, like Rosie the Riveter type blonde to seduce two soldiers before beating them up, stealing one's identity to get into the base. She works her way through the base, monologuing about how throughout their hundred years as a couple, her and Destiny spent more time apart than together. She finds Destiny. And confronts her. How could she be working on a eugenics project? But Destiny insists that while it's all definitely bad, that the work she's doing with Mr. Sinister is vital for the future of all mutants. Mystique leaves heartbroken. The story then jumps back to 1895, and Mystique, in her Sherlock Holmes disguise, <laughs> uh, recruits Destiny to help her solve the Jack the Ripper case. News broke of a survivor, Nathaniel Essex, who was found beaten and naked after one of the murders. Sherlock and Destiny went to meet him where they found a, like, frail and bitter, misogynist douchebag guy. 
He references his wife's death and refers to mutants as possessing the Essex factor, which sets the story a few years after the version of his origin we got in the 1990s series Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, which is a great story. Like, if we ever have another slow week, that might be a something that we read for yeah, know, that extra be material because uh, I love that book. They debate his ideas about genetics and Charles Darwin. Mystique decides he's too frail and sickly to be the murderer, of course, so they leave. Uh, with Destiny coyly offering, do you need a clue? And Mystique said, no, I can solve it. I'm Sherlock Holmes. Then Mystique wanders the street dressed as a harlot, trying to lay a trap. She hears a scream in an alley, so she races to catch the Ripper, who's the Mr. Sinister we've grown to know. He's a blue feral uh, vampire with a diamond on his head, and he's got his victim's head literally crushed against a brick wall. Uh, She shoots his head half off, like literally a hole in his head. And he taunts her that he's still standing and he escapes. She chases him home where Destiny's waiting. Which, of course, she's a step ahead. And when they go inside, Mr. Sinister is transforming back into Nathaniel Essex. He reveals his whole origin story with Apocalypse, uh, who he refers to as an ancient Essex man. Which I love that. I love the Essex man thing. Uh, and then uh, tells the tales of his like desperate attempts to prolong his own life. He reveals he foresees terrible wars and that Darwin isn't the only Charles who will vex him, which is a reference to Charles, but then also really to Charles Babbage, who predicted both computers and AI. Uh, He rambles about how every option needs to be explored. Human science, space technology, mutants, and superstition, specifically those four. He then says, we got to work together. But Destiny clocks him and says, we'll never work with him. They make sure he gets committed to an asylum where he dies overnight seemingly of like a heart attack or embolism but he's accusing someone of being, you you're a ghost you're a ghost and in that last panel there does kind of look like a shadow over him like i think it's meant to be vague but if you look it looks like there's a shadow hovering over him the issue ends with destiny going back to the house going into the basement and revealing four empty cloning chambers one with each suit from a deck of cards how early did i call that you I, mean, I guess you it, Maybe it was obvious because we had two suits and why would they only do two suits? But I'm so glad we got that reveal. Oh yeah. No, that, that it was a good like confirmation of what we were expecting at the very least. Yeah. This, I know I say this constantly. This issue was so good. Oh, immortal. Just it's doing that thing that red does where it's just like every single issue finds a new way to impress me. Yeah. And well, and we've talked about it. These issues focusing on characters, I wouldn't think an issue focusing on blow my mind every time. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I was super excited about a Mystique issue. This was fantastic. This yeah, was I mean, good. it was so much fun. Uh, and I really was not stoked on a Mystique issue. Yeah. I would, I was like, my surprise level of enjoyment of this one matches my surprise level of enjoyment for the Sebastian Shaw issue. Yeah, a very similar vibe of, yeah. like, oh yeah, we're going to have to get through an issue of these two characters at some point. And they might be the two best issues. They, this right. is fantastic. Uh, can I tell you what I really want? I want an episodic series of Mystique and Destiny Sherlock Holmes adventures. They just each issue, they solve a different mystery together. I like these like uh, reveals of like, okay, so in the Marvel Universe, all of these people were these uh, you know famous ideas. Like, He's both Jack the Ripper 
and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's hilarious <laughs> to me. No, it's fantastic. I was just like, okay, so we're going all out with that. That's fantastic. I want the full reveal of why he had both solutions. That Clearly, he was turning into Sinister, but then he mm-hmm. also had the clones going in the basement at the same time. I Very cool, though. Yeah, I, I think we could probably get an answer to that at some point, because... I'm sure... I just, at some point, it seems like we're gonna be very sinister focused for the near future. Which, if you've ever, if you're my friend on Discord, you know that's been my profile picture for over a year. I love me some Mister Sinister, so I'm up for us focusing on him for a while. Yeah, you know, I mean he's such he's such a fun villain, you know. And even when he's like not totally a villain, and he's just kind of you know helping, but maybe not helping that much. Like I don't know, he's just he's fun to see talk. More than anything. I feel like some of the joy I get from him is what people describe their joy at Deadpool, if that makes sense. Like, totally. He's not the dumb humor of Deadpool, but I just enjoy his chaos the way I feel like a lot of people talk about loving Deadpool's chaos. Mm-hmm. I, I think I can agree with that completely. I do have a few questions for you. Uh, the ending that, like, Destiny coming down into the basement and seeing the cloning chambers... I've seen people reading it two different ways that it was the reveal of that that was her discovering it for the first time or that that was like a subtle reveal that she'd been helping him all along and keeping it from Mystique because Mystique was narrating, but we'd seen other parts where her her narration was wrong throughout the issue in subtle ways. So I don't know where I stand on that. That is a good point. You know, I could see it going either way. Yeah. I, I, I initially just, my initial reading was just discovering it, you know? That yeah. Is, but, like, if you go back, I'm going back and I'm looking at it, I can see it that way. Yeah. I'd, I'd be happy with either reading of it, really. I think I would, too. Uh, there are things that line up better with each, so I think it depends what ends up being important moving forward from like reveals we've already gotten uh so i don't know if you caught there was two really cool parallels to the very first issue of immortal x-men so uh, the opening scene of the very first issue i don't know if you remember destiny meets um sinister on the same bench from house and powers of x where xavier and moira always met Mm -hmm. and she basically tells him, hey, we have to be on the same side, which is the opposite of the conversation that they had in this issue. So, like, whatever it is, 50 years later, she came back and had realized that, oh, no, we need to work together. But then the the sinister that's on the bench suddenly dies, does the whole grasping his, his throat thing and says, you're a ghost, you're a ghost, you're a ghost, and dies. So it happening in this issue, even though it happened earlier, was a callback to that from the very first issue of Immortal X-Men. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. That's interesting. So it's another case of just showing how much Karen Gillan is li- is just foreshadowing. And, like he He's clearly scripting his entire arcs before he yeah. sits down to write something, which is really cool. So do we know what the You're a Ghost, You're a Ghost is referring to? No, not yet. But we know that two different Nathaniel Essexes have died well in the presence of mystique and destiny saying it so whatever's going on it's 
Very interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, speaking of Immortal X-Men number one, Sinister Secrets. Do you remember what the Sinister Secret was for this one? It was pretty on the nose. Uh, acting like being immortal is a new thing is very gauche. Some of us have been rocking the look for a while, and trust me, we've had all manner of adventures. So they'd set up from the beginning this was going to be a throwback issue, but it's cool that it literally shows us the beginning of Sinister's immortality. Yeah, that is that is cool. I didn't I didn't even think of that. Teeing up the next one. Next issue. Look on the bright side. The council chamber's being white means it's easy to see where you have to mop up the blood stains. So I think stuff hits the fan next issue. Yeah, I would expect so with that. Uh, <laughs> <whew>. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because it's the ones after that that start the path down the like, oh, finally someone who deserves it gets the pit oh no ah it's all dark it's all closing in on me but i'm very curious if those like did the sinister secrets pause during sins of sinister are they still tied because that's they they're labeled like 11 12 13 but those are all going to come out after sins of sinister so we were thinking it referred to wolverine in the pit but it might refer to to him getting punished after sins of sinister which would make my number one pick a terrible choice if he's in the pit by the time we reassess. <laughs> that is true. Wow. Um, yeah, I wonder if they will pause. Does, well... It would make sense both ways. I could see them referring to not issues 11, whatever it is, 11, 12, 13, or 10, 11, 12. I don't remember the numbers. It's the, th the three after the next one. Uh, or I could see it referring to Immoral X-Men 1, 2, 3. That, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if immoral makes it pause that count. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I'm that was I could see it going either. I mean, I don't think the pit is gonna be relevant in immoral just because we're gonna be jumping ten years and a hundred and a thousand years into the future. So but we don't know. We don't really know what Croco is gonna look like. So could yeah. go either way. The four sinisters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So first two are easy. Mr. Sinister is the mutant, um, and Dr. Stasis is the human technology robot like mm -hmm. side of things. So the two things we have left are space technology and um, superstition, or superstition tamed by technology is how he phrases it in the issue. So I would say my, my prediction of Orbis Stolaris is not for sure, but like, it's was it's feeling very better much supported. Better. Yeah. yeah. Very much supported. I don't know who else would be space technology that could be a sinister. And I sent you a little bit about this on Discord, but our buddy Joe of X and I were talking about the superstition one, and I think we nailed this down. So he had, like total credit to him. He's the one that threw it out first, but Mother Righteous is has a mask that covers her forehead. Uh, has a very genetic toying with things role. Uh, she's literally messing with mutant genes because the Nightcrawler is all messed up now. Uh, Angel, like that's that's her gimmick. Mm -hmm. And I I was. Like, it kind of bugs me because the, the art isn't very accurate if it is because her mask, like, doesn't go high enough on the forehead that it would cover. So, like, I was kind of hemming and hawing, kind of scrolling when, when he first suggested her. But the first arc of Legion of X, 
she made tumult, right? Which is right. literally a chimera of gods. Like, it's just... I think that's it. I think those are the four sinisters. Yeah, it's it's really the chimera of gods that... Uh, it really does a lot. It does a lot of the heavy lifting. That's what finally convinced me. And if you think about, like, one in each... So, we've got the three writers going into Sins of Sinister we got one that's super relevant to Immortal X-Men. It would make sense if the other two are super important to um, Legion and X-Men Red because those are the two books that are tying in. And then, obviously, X-Men is the other flagship book. So that's where uh, Dr. Stasis is. I do think her name fits the pattern a little less. Like, it's still adjective than noun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know because Sinister Stasis Stellaris are all that like S's. Yeah, but I did see someone point out that righteousness is basically the opposite of sinister. Yeah. So that kind of clicked. Yeah, yeah, I could see that being the one uh, female version too. Yep. So it just yeah. plays with the idea of opposites. I I'm liking the idea. Yeah, I you know I could I could get into that definitely. So I started looking around if anyone else had had suggested her after Joe suggested, and like, there was a couple of people on Reddit that said her. The other one that I saw people mentioning was the new like magic prime minister from the. Uh, Knights of X, and I can't remember what it was called before that, but that whole Excalibur run. Yeah. And I, I could see that, but honestly, to me, the Mother Righteous one just feels right. Like, if it's someone we've met. There's always a chance mm-hmm. it's someone we haven't met yet. But uh, Yeah, it's like, it could be someone we haven't met yet, but I also feel like, I don't know, that it seems like we're pretty late in the game to have not met them at all. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, the Chimera of Gods thing, that just keeps going back, that just keeps going yeah. back to my mind. That one really does keep just coming back. And I'm like, well, well. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, a couple other like cool history things. So the Alamogordo is both, like it is the real place where the very first nuclear tests like ever happened. But did you know it was also pretty important to like X-Men history? Really? So way back in X-Men number 12. So we're talking pre-Chris Claremont, we're talking like the early, early days of X-Men, they established it as Professor X's father's workplace. And they were implying, basically, that Professor X became one of the first ever mutants because of the radiation and, like, his father's job. Mm. And, I mean, obviously, eventually we got much, a very different history for the for mutants and the timeline just no longer lined up but yeah charles xavier's dad couldn't be there anymore but i thought that was a really cool use of something we'd seen multiple times before oh absolutely yeah i i did like the subtle references to like the to him and charles when uh he was talking sinister like oh yeah they had some subtle and they had some super unsubtle like the yeah. The, oh, he's planting his genes in families like the Xavier's and the Shaw's and uh, I don't even remember the others, but yeah, they yeah. just listed four or five prominent families and 
I'll never be free of the Charleses in my life, will I, or whatever. And he's talking about Babbage and uh, and Darwin, Darwin but Destiny is like, oh, yeah, I'm afraid you never will. <laughs> <laughs> no. There was so much good dialogue in this. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I found it really funny when they first go meet Nathaniel, and he's being an absolute misogynistic prick. And I was sitting there thinking, like, man, I know you're a psychopath. I know you murder. But let's tone it down, Sinister. Like, I want to like you. You're one of my favorite characters. Let's tone down the bigotry, sir, was all that was going <laughs> through my mind. One of the things that was fantastic about this issue was just how dense it was without feeling like too much. Yeah. Like, it was very dense with information, but I never at once felt overwhelmed by that. It's something Karen Gillen has a real knack for. Yeah, I'd have to agree. All right, let's talk Sins of Sinister designs. I will post a link to these in the show notes, but we'll also be descriptive when we're talking about them. Uh, this is a pretty substantial gallery they posted of both Paco Medina and Alessandro Vidi's character designs. Uh, my favorite by far is cable 100 so do you want to we talk him first yeah let's go cable 100 so he looks like he is fully the techno organic virus has fully replaced half of his body with like legit super colorful cables so uh i am not the biggest cable fan but i am absolutely in love with that visual and I don't know if any of these designs are going to make it out of the Sins of Sinister timeline. I feel like if anybody is going to travel back in time, Year 100 Cable seems like a likely candidate because he's already a refugee from the future. True. Uh, I would be okay with that that design taking over forever. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I've always kind of loved the whole bio-organic uh techno combination look of things yeah and the fact that the cables <laughs> the cables coming out of cables arm <laughs> almost uh represent like musculature like muscle fibers and yeah stuff they follow really the, really cool they follow the pattern of his muscles which definitely amplifies everything probably my second favorite and i one i hope that we get an action figure of do you, do you want to describe Captain America Year 10? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Captain America Year 10 is very... I love it. It's essentially Captain America, but if you t if someone took a sinister head off of the figure and plopped it onto the Captain America figure, it yeah. turned all of the white into black or gray. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's literally just, like, gray into the color scheme, and then the A has a diamond over the top of it, and the shield has a black star on it. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got the full sinister goatee. Um, <laughs> I'm very curious how this is going to play out, because some of the characters seem to just be replaced by Mr. Sinister, and some of them seem to still be versions of themselves. So I have no idea what's going to happen in this crossover, but the designs are gorgeous. Honestly, my favorite part about Captain America Year 10, and it's such a stupid thing to love so much, is the the black wings on his head. Yes, yes, the winglets. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, for some reason, that's what gets me. 
I think because I, I'm pretty sure actual Captain America hasn't had the winglets in years. So I think yeah. it's a throwback. So I think that makes it, yeah, stand out. And... So, okay. My favorite. Is it Wagnerine? How did you know? <laughs> How did you know Wagnerine was my favorite? Because she was the next one I wanted to talk about anyways. <laughs> oh, she's fantastic. So for those who either haven't seen it or can't piece together by the name, it is uh, what appears to be Laura Kenny infused with Nightcrawler's DNA. So, but blue skin, kind of his facial expression. Like, I wouldn't ever seen her grin like that. Yeah. Uh, the Nightcrawler tail and a diamond on her forehead. Yeah, and... I would say, like, really more of Nightcrawler's bodysuit, but with Wolverine's helmet, gray yeah. instead of the classic yellow. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely cut, like, some of the outfits we've seen her wear. Like, she usually has... True. That, that's a good point. But it's his color scheme. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a blend of the two two outfits, I'd say. Apparently, Nightcrawler's is going to be very literal. It sounds like everybody's going to be Nightcrawlered up over in that book. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, one that throws me off. So there's Mister Sinister Year One Hundred. Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to be a blend with Colossus? I was wondering that. It kind of looks like it could be. Um, the vagueness of the design itself makes me wonder, um, or maybe just because it's more of like a rough draft drawing. It seems like not in a negative way or anything. No, I think you're right. Um, well, and just Vidi's. Because these are just pulled from the character sheets, apparently. It seems like, yeah, he's got a much more sketch quality to his his designs, whereas the Paco Medina ones are seem very final. But yeah, I mean, it definitely could be um, a Colossus fusion, because that would make sense. I mean, it could just also be supposed to be aging, because it's got gray around the temples, but, but also it seems weird that he would age in the next hundred years when he hasn't aged much in the last hundred years, but... Yeah. Uh, and then we had seen this one last week, but the Nightcrawler Year 100 design revealing him as a fully transformed beast with chain and shackles and definitely seems like Kurt's not done with this transformation. Yeah, that's uh, it's getting more and more intense. If that is the way he is headed, like, yeah. wow, that's monstrous. It looks like uh, it reminds me actually, and it just hit me like as we were talking about it now, reminds me of a Deathclaw from Fallout. Oh, that's, that is a apt description. Yeah, very much reminds me of that. And then we get into some that are. Less familiar to us characters, uh, there's Anti-Fortune Year 1000, who looks like a female Nightcrawler with a big-ass cable gun, and, uh, like, two, she's got all the suits represented on her outfit, uh, has the diamond on her head, so. And I, I want to say, like, also a lot of domino within her as well. That's, that's super accurate, yeah. Yeah. Good call, I... And then Ironfire Year One Thousand, who just looks like Odin to me. I'm—that's all I see when I see him. 
Yeah. Um, I don't, I, it's not that I don't like it. I'm just not jumping up and down about it. Yeah. I mean, I have a feeling it's, it's going to be very much something relevant to those three issues, but definitely did not grab me the way the other designs do. Uh, and then there's Rasputin Year 1000, which mm-hmm. is a, looks like kind of uh, Mad Max, like surviving woman, and that's throwing me off. I don't yeah, know if that's that. a descendant, or I, I like the design. It's another one that has that same color scheme as, as a few of them, the, the red, orange, and still evokes Colossus for me for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, like, Rasputin, like... Yeah, the family, obviously. You know, like, it's all there. This visually now, like, I've always been into the plot, but these character designs are all really cool. We didn't talk about Storm. Storm looks great. There's a year 10 Storm that looks like she's fully armored out with uh, a lot of Magneto tributes. She's got the Magneto cloak. She's got the Magneto style hood. Uh, she's clearly still evoking her dear friend 10 years later. So we know he's not going to be revived between now and the beginning of Sins of Sinister, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it's a cool design. And it almost looks like some kind of like funeral garb, even, in a yeah. way. Just because it is so dark and everything. That's I, totally I accurate. It's, it's cool to see how we're going to get there. Definitely. All right. So we actually have, we talked about coming out of it. We know one thing that's going to happen coming out of it. Although it's the other X-Men team. So it probably won't be super tied into it, but we have another X crossover to already talk about. So we have dark web that sort of already started, but starts officially in a couple weeks. We've had a prelude issue. Then we have sins of sinister and we thought then we have fall of X there's a new one we have to slide in between there. Are you reading Captain Marvel? No. I have to admit, that is a complete blind spot for me. I feel like I'm caught up on most of my Marvel characters, but Captain Marvel's 40 issues in, and I have not dive, dove in. I've heard mm-hmm. Kelly Thompson's run's amazing, but I just haven't made time. And I think I'm going to have to now, because uh, over there, Carol Danvers is taken to the stars to answer a distress call, only to confront horrors at the hands of her vengeful old enemies, the brood luckily for captain marvel she won't be alone not only will the story arc guest star various x-men including rogue gambit wolverine but jerry dugan's ongoing x-men title will connect with captain marvel starting in february's x-men 19 joined by artist stefano caselli the arc will see the x-men realizing that despite their efforts the brood are still a major threat that needs to be put down quickly and permanently it's a crossover but it sounds like the two arcs will be somewhat self-contained the titled Revenge of the Brood and Lord of the Brood, both arcs represent a reunion of sorts as Captain Marvel and the X-Men fought alongside each other in the original Brood saga by Chris Claremont, Dave Cockrum, and Paul Smith. The iconic adventure changed Captain Marvel forever as she unlocked her binary form and saw the X-Men make some of their most intense sacrifices. The latest war with the Brood will pack the same emotional punch, and once again, neither parties will walk away unscathed. I have to be honest, my biggest takeaway from it is that the vault story is going to wrap up in just three more issues. That feels really quick. Yeah, that feels too quick to me. Like, I want to spend more time with the vault. 
Like, there's a chance the vault's going to be put on pause, but I, it doesn't feel like it because we're going to be going into Fall of X not that long after. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, and I they're going to have to fit the next Hellfire Gala in there somewhere, so it just feels like we're going to be rapid-firing through some stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, in theory... I, do, I was going to say, because in theory they could be running concurrent, but, like, how would you do that? So Yeah. Just because, like, it doesn't say Forge is there, and, like, he's very much a part of the vault storyline right now. That's fair. But then are we going to take a three-month pause? Because it's right. three issues that are going to the crossover. That That's why I was like, they could be, but they probably aren't. And I don't know. Uh, that might be my Christmas binge now. I always try to binge something over Christmas. I guess it'll be Captain Marvel, just so that I can be fully up-to-date for, for the crossover. Uh... I, I don't know that I believe the it's going to carry the same emotional punch. I don't see them killing off Rogue, Gambit, or Wolverine. <laughs> just... I mean, okay, here, here's here's the deal with that, right? I'm reading that, and I'm like, okay, first of all, quite the cold shot. I, I don't know if I would be that confident about anything that I'm doing ever. But also, like, hey, you guys have revival now so will it actually <laughs> does, does anything have that much of an emotional punch anymore like in the same way at least yeah right but see i mean it's another crossover so i'm kind of like man i'd sure like these books to have like an ounce of breathing room but well and it's another i'm liking the core x crossovers but seems like all of the piddly like where's you get dip our toes into a crossovers have all been pretty either completely unimportant or just bad like uh devil's reign had random x-men tie-in issues that had no weight to the actual devil's reign art just every every little crossover they've had lately has just seemed irrelevant so sandwiching this kind of like how dark web's looking to, to, to ramp up like i don't know how into dark web we're gonna be it just feels unnecessary when we're having these really strong like x-men focused crossovers mm-hmm. like i'm really high on sins of sinister i will probably be by next summer really into fall of x these little ones don't draw me in the same way yeah all right you want to do some questions of the week we Let's have a do few some questions we went through a few that we've we've put on pause and we got time this week so i say we hit them yeah all right so two weeks ago three weeks ago we asked Who's a character we didn't see judged in Judgment Day that you wish we had? And we had our faithful, probably our only weekly watcher. Uh, we have more hits on the audio. We might have a few listeners. We got one one view consistently every week, no matter what. Uh, he said, Broken Record said, I thought about this one for a few days, and I would have loved to have seen Juggernaut get judged. I think that would have had some interesting results. I like that. We haven't gotten enough Juggernaut lately. I feel like they yeah. they started the him and Xavier like dealing with their stuff arc and then kind of dropped it. Feels like, yeah, yeah. I I think so. I think Juggernaut would have been a really fun one. Did you have an answer? Um, God, I feel like I might have talked about this before, but I don't know. I think Eddie Brock would have been a fun one, and I know that that's like an easy go to. But like, did, did we answer? I don't know. I feel like I've mentioned that, but that's also because I talk about Eddie Brock a lot. Um. <laughs> that That's what happened. We talked about it, but we filmed before, because it was a week that we we filmed pretty 
pretty quick the next episode from mm -hmm. okay so we did answer well i think my answers changed so i'm gonna give my answer anyways because Go for it. it's been nagging me about how cool it would be if we had the ultimate universe still around i would have loved to have seen how some of the like alternate how would ultimate four have reacted the guy who wasn't really a guy how would ultimate cap with his like twisted nationalism like how would his judgment have gone differently than our captain america uh the maker There's just so the much worst, potential. The worst man in all of Marvel. Like, I want to see Ultimate Judgment Day. That's what I want to see now. And it's going to nag cool. at me for the rest of my life about like the what if. That would be really cool. Here's yeah, one I mean, I, we... Go ahead. No, go for it. <laughs> no, I, I was going to move on, so please go. Yeah, go for it. Move on. I was just going to talk more about Eddie Brock. I don't need to do that. <laughs> no, I want to hear it. Give your Eddie well, Brock. I'm just saying, I feel like we talked about it, but I just think with the whole godhood, but also being a dad that still doesn't think he's a good enough dad, and actually, spoilers for Venom, might be actually killed your son. Like, it's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. Although, I feel like they're... Not to go on a huge Venom tangent, but we got time this week, so I'll go on a yeah. little Venom tangent. I feel like they're telegraphing like where they're going too much now. Like, yeah, it, yeah, he's he's gonna break the the, the time cycle, but mm -hmm. uh, I am still enjoying that that run though. Is yeah. Rom just off the book? Like it seemed like I, he had all the issues for a while, and then now we're just only getting Al Ewing's side of the story. It feels like I I have no idea what's going on with it. Honestly, I uh, I've been having trouble keeping up with my weeklies anyway. So that's fair. But I, I, we force you to read so many X-Men books. You, you can't well, what'll happen is, is every week I read my X books and then like, I'll read the rest in like two week chunks. <laughs> I'm sorry. We've done that too, oh, my friend. It's fine. But speaking of Marvel runs that I know are near and dear to your heart, can we say, can we, can we have another detour and talk Donny Cates? Yeah. So, my man. Do we know what's going on with this Thor run? Has he publicly said anything yet? I haven't seen anything public. Donny is not a big social media guy anymore. He he kind of, I don't want to say he got chased off of Twitter, but he got, he got Tom Taylored a little. Yeah, he, he, got, he got done with Twitter for a bit. And then I want to say he had to come back because Vanish was coming out or something. So he had to come back and be like, hey, everybody vanish uh, that makes sense but he hasn't said a ton a ton um but i also i'm bad about keeping up with social media on creators like that i 100 don't blame me i don't think i follow like any of the actual creators i read the x-men monday that's my way of keeping up with creators i love i love those interviews yeah. uh, but so solicitations came out today no dc's came out today marvel's came out yesterday and Thor 30 is coming in February, and it is again written by uh, Torin Gronbeck, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing her name, which I am totally cool with her doing doing the guest arc, because she wrote that really good Jane Foster and the Mighty mm. Thor miniseries, but she came on for two issues, and it was told, it was explicitly said it was a two-issue uh, filler arc, essentially, like a guest arc. Yeah. Uh, issue 30 is listed as the beginning of a new new arc, and continue their journey into mysterious waters uh what will it reveal about the future of the entire marvel universe like they're making it sound like this is them stepping in much more substantially like if this is now a third issue that they're taking on and it's the start of a new arc means they're going at least five issues 
it would be really weird if Donnie didn't get to have a conclusion, right? Um, yeah, especially because I know that when Hulk was first starting, a lot of people were asking him on Twitter, like, hey, does this mean that, like, four is coming to a close? And, like, his whole thing was, like, no, I have really big things planned for Thor. I plan on writing him well beyond Banner of War. Um, he made it two issues after Banner of War. Right. Although, so, like, rumor, I don't know how true this is, supposedly he didn't even write those issues. He only script, he only plotted them, and it was all valuing. So, I don't know what's going on there. Hulk yeah. is also on, like, an every other month schedule. So, hopefully, everything's okay in Kate's all my, land. All, all my favorite books are... <laughs> They're suffering. All right. Our other question of the week. I'm sorry for that detour. I just oh, it blew my I, mind when I saw we really weren't getting Kate's back for at least three more months. That was. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm good with an occasional detour. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other question we had was, what's a director-character combo? Because it was based off uh, the quote about uh, – I can't think of his name. But anyways, was a director-writer combo for a single X-Men movie, like a director you'd want to write a single movie? And again, our uh, number one fan, Broken Record, <laughs> wrote in, I think my pick, I'm going to go with a multiple man movie directed by Guillermo del Toro. I feel like he could do something re- some really gnarly practical effects for multiple man, really lean into the body horror aspect. Alternatively, a hyper-violent action thriller in the style of John Wick featuring soft serve. Which he knows the way to my heart. Anything, anything <laughs> involving soft serve is immediately on my top of my list. Uh, the multiple man idea is really cool. I actually had originally been trying to think of like, like with like a Paul Thomas Anderson for multiple man or something, but going the body horror like direction is really cool too. Yeah, that that is actually pretty cool. <laughs> so I I had two, and they're both specific and maybe not up everybody's alley. But I would want either a Wes Anderson directed Phantom X movie. I think I think that would be really fun and like an angle we have not seen or Richard Linklater uh, doing a Jubilee movie. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That would be really fun. He's like the king of nineties nostalgia. So I feel like that would be perfect. Yeah. That would, that would be, uh, that would be fun. I'd like that one a lot. Um, I remember I wanted director Martin McDonough to take on something. Um, I can't remember what I was thinking specifically. But okay. Martin McDonough is my favorite director, so. <laughs> I feel like giving him not this current volume, but giving him a Kitty Pride-led Marauders. Like, ooh, I feel like he would direct Kitty Pride's attitude really well. Yes, I, I can I can get into that. Especially because just last weekend I saw his new movie, Banshees of Inishowen. And uh, is that it's his, fan- it? fantastically fun. Awesome. Um, but yeah. It. I, uh, I I really would like for him to do something in that like snarky X Men zone because he's so good at that snark. Kitty Pride, I like that a lot. I'm gonna go with that, <laughs> like a Kitty Pride led Marauders. <laughs> I think it'd be really cool. Martin McDonough. Uh, uh, when I worked in the movie theater, my very first job, junior senior year of high school, uh, in Bruges. Thank you. Yeah, in Bruges came out, and me and one other guy that worked there. Uh, happened to go in blind on like the first Monday, so it, it was out for the weekend, and we went in to see it Monday because that was just our thing. We went and we saw as many like uh, as soon as we got out of school, we went we went down and we watched all the free movies on Monday because we had to work all weekend. Yep. And 
I don't think we ever campaigned harder for like all of our coworkers to go see a movie. We were so, like our seventeen year old minds were so blown by In Bruges yeah. and both the type of comedy it had in it, but then how impactful it was. And I it was I worked there for like two and a half years, and I came back every summer when I was in college. And out of every movie I saw while I worked there, that was the single most important. Like that movie changed my life in so many ways. Love that movie. For real. I, I loved In Bruges. Uh, funny enough, I was working at the movie theater when Seven Psychopaths came out. Okay. And me and my friends uh, were campaigning that all of the coworkers needed to see it. And a lot of my coworkers were like, well, I don't want to see a movie alone. I was like, I'll go. I'll go with you. It's free. Let's go. And I ended up seeing Seven Psychopaths seven times. That's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I'll have to see if I can dig it up. I actually have a picture of my truck from then with the standee for seven psychopaths with uh oh my gosh why can't i remember his name all of a sudden woody harrelson woody harrelson the standee for woody harrelson in the back of my truck because i took it home (laughs) that's awesome uh my not anywhere near as good my parents garage my dad still has adam sandler's head from the you don't mess with the zohan standee like taped to his tool bench because I I fought hard to get it uh, carefully folded and into the backseat of my car. So like literally, it, he rode with like his head sticking, his head holding the hair dryer sticking out of my backseat. And I had the whole standee in my bedroom like all of senior year. And then when I left for college, instead of getting rid of it, my dad saved the head, and so it's still in his garage almost twenty years later. <laughs> I don't know uh, that I knew you'd worked in a movie. We've talked about other parallels, but I don't know if that one had yeah. ever come up. That's Yeah, I uh, I worked at a movie theater for two years, around 2012, and it's like where my core group of friends, we all met each other. That's awesome. We have too many parallels in our lives. Truly. <laughs> all right. Believe it or not, I have one more game for us. I'm ready. I'm ready for the game. And I need to change my lighting setup a little because we're going to be going into APR After Dark. all right so this is a little game again joe of x's recommendation that guy is just essentially our fourth broken record is our third host and he's our fourth host they're just part (laughs) of the show now he recommended uh the classic game f mary kill but we're gonna make it make more mutants mary kill because that's one (laughs) of the laws of mutant kind yes so i got five uh, trios of characters and we are both going to decide which one we would make more mutants with which one we'd marry and which one we'd kill and then uh if you're in the audience and you have a strong opinion on any of the five i don't want to hear them so throw them in the comments email them to us whatever i want to hear people's takes on this first one i'm going to throw at you from our buddy joe mr sinister tarn the uncaring and mikhail rasputin god okay Hold on. <laughs> you have, do you have to look at Tarn? Do you have to I remind have yourself to... just how ugly Tarn is? <laughs> exactly what I have to do. Okay. I don't... Hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm going to make more mutants with Mikael Rasputin. I'm gonna... He looks like he spoons well. I, I yeah. think that's a good call. Yeah. He looks, you know, and I... Listen, I'm going to marry Mr. Sinister. You know, if you laugh every day, <laughs> then you feel good. And he's a funny guy. And I'm going to kill Tarn the Uncanny. 
I hear you 100%. But as far as we know, Sinister has been married once. And that did not go well for Mrs. Sinister. So uh, I think I'm going to have to flip and I, I'll make another mutant with him. He's a handsome man. I mean, especially if it's the feral version we saw naked in this issue. Uh, yeah, Tarn's dead. Tarn's just gone. And, like, and uh, yeah, Mikhail no, is a powerful man. I feel like I'll be his trophy husband for a while. Like I sure. get into politics. Like it seemed to work for Melania. It'll work for me. Yeah. And and listen, here's the thing. I have convinced multiple people to buy Breath of the Wild because of my hots for the fish guy in Breath of the Wild. So it's not that Tarn is like semi-aquatic looking. It's just you know, there's other things. <laughs> did did not know about the the was it a prince? What is it? Prince Sidon. I did not know you were Prince Sidon, man. But this is good to know. This Listen, is... it's look at him. <laughs> this is fair. This is fair. All right, you ready for another trio? Yes. This is the old Summer Brothers cha- Summer's Brothers Challenge: Cyclops, Havoc, and Vulcan. Oh man. Okay. Mm. I am going to marry Cyclops because he is theoretically down with the polycule, so therefore keep my options open. <laughs> this is a good call. Uh, okay. Now here's here's the toss up, right? <laughs> Not a big fan of either of them right now. <laughs> Basically, your choice is, do you get rid of the intergalactic horrifying guy or the prick? (laughs) Right. I guess, okay, I guess I'm going to have to kill Vulcan and make more mutants with (laughs) Havoc. He's a handsome man. Yeah. That is probably what I would go with. Uh, I'll give you. All right, we got another one. Joe, Joe gave us two. His other suggestion Emma Jean Storm. This this one's difficult. This one's okay. hard for me personally. <laughs> okay. I I don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. And, and I, I I saw Joe comment this, and I've been like thinking about it, <laughs> and I still don't know. I need you to go first. I I, I truly I, do. I will take this one. Emma can die. And I need nothing nothing with Miss Frost. That's fine. Uh, see, the problem is both Jean and Storm, we know, aren't great at being married. True. <laughs> They've both blown it. But I feel like Jean has come back around, and her marriage failing was not so much on, on her plate. So, and Storm is Storm. So I think I'm going to make more mutants with Storm. Marry Jean. That's, yeah. You know what? Okay, so kill Emma. Make more mutants with Jade Cargill. I mean Storm. And and Mary Jean. I can agree to that. Has she... Has Jade done a Storm cosplay yet? She has. She's come out with, like, white hair and, like, a black thing. And it made me and my buddy Joe, not Joe of X, but a different Joe, go look at each other and go, okay, so that's who we cast for Storm, right? (laughs) Oh, she rocked the She-Hulk look last month or month before, so I'm not surprised here she's done Storm at some point. Alright. We got two left. Do you want the boys or the girls first? 
Uh, you know what? Let's go with the boys first. Wolverine, Deadpool, Sabretooth. Kill Sabretooth. Um, oh, well, but maybe Wade can die. <laughs> no, you know what? We'll kill Sabretooth. Well, wow. <laughs> we'll make more mutants with Wolverine. <laughs> You're going to marry Deadpool. You know, here's the thing. Deadpool seems like he could theoretically be a very caring individual if persuaded and i feel like if not he's just gonna be like he's always at like being married to him you're not really tied down to much he's always off gallivanting here yeah and i mean otherwise it's like an actual sick mother anyways and a uh an alcoholic this is very fair, very I, fair. I just i i had i had second thoughts i almost killed deadpool but i'm gonna marry him and our very last one. Well, hold uh, on. No, you have to do yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to assume that make more mutants means you can have the interaction once and never see them again. So, yeah. Sabretooth's fine. I, I can make more mutants with Sabretooth than just never see the man again. Uh, <laughs> Marrying Wade and Logan can just are just yeah. too much too much hair. That's like, actually really fair. <laughs> very very fair. <laughs> All right. In honor of our other number one fan, the Broken Record, and his love of this book, we love it too. But he's referred to Exterminators as like his favorite book of the year and things along those lines. Boom Boom, Jubilee, Dazzler. Yeah. Okay. Huh. This one, this one's tough. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to make more mutants with Boom Boom. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to marry Jubilee. Okay. Dazzler, nothing personal. It's, it's, it's more of a process of elimination than a personal attack. <laughs> this is fair. Here's my, my my logic. You know what, Marion Jubilee. I just feel like she'd be awesome to hang out with. She'd want to play arcade games all the time. Like, uh, make more mutants with Dazzler, and I'm gonna let Boom Boom die mostly because I don't think I could. Make more mutants seriously while calling a woman boom boom. <laughs> That's half the fun. <laughs> <laughs> boom boom, we're gonna boom boom. Like, exactly. No, I just can't do it. <laughs> Alright, this has been probably the least listenable, but the most fun episode to record. <laughs> I have had a blast with this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next week, we have X Men 17. Apparently, the beginning of the end for the vault story already. <laughs> and X Force 34. <laughs> it's so we time. get to have our beast hate hour. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's going to be mostly in Wolverine now? I don't know. I'm so confused on that book. Like, Me too. It was the last issue of Wolverine that was all about him turning the X Force into the floating skull base. So who that's knows? That's true. Yeah. We'll have to see. 
All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. That'll do it for us. Make sure you like us, review us on the places, follow us, and if nothing else, tell a friend who you think might enjoy it. That nerdy pop bear and all the socials. Keegan is both Granger. Until next time, don't name your kid Charles. <laughs>